Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Hey, it's Mario Lopez. David Taylor. Fred Metcalf. Johnny Hendrick. Tony Ramos. Bubba J. Mike Gold. Matthew Modine. The one and only Chael Sonnen. And you are listening to the one and only Short Time Wrestling Podcast by the often imitated and never duplicated Jason Bryant. I'm three-time national wrestling writer and broadcaster year, Jason Bryant, and I'll bring you news, reviews, previews, and interviews with the most notable names and personalities in wrestling. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app by logging on to matttalkonline.com slash listen. Short Time is sponsored by Flips Wrestling. Share your attitude and be heard at flipswrestling.com. Now it's time, because you've always got time for Short Time. For Short Time. And welcome one, welcome all, episode 211 of the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. My name is Jason Bryant. Pleasure to be with you yet again, as today we're going to be talking with Sacred Heart University head coach Andy Lozier. He's got an interesting thing he's doing with his assistant coach, Derek Moore, as they're going to run to Madison Square Garden. Has anybody told him it's only October? It's not going to take them that long to get there. Anyway, we're going to have an interesting discussion with Andy about uh, the run that they're doing to Madison Square Garden, as well as some background on the history of Sacred Heart and their wrestling program. Um, for, for some of you, you might not realize that this is a Division One school in Fairfield, Connecticut. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, I want to say thanks to everybody who rates, reviews, and subscribes to this show. If this is the first time you are listening to this show and you like it, you can subscribe simply by going to matttalkonline.com slash get short time that'll take you right to the iTunes app if you're if you're on your podcast app on an iOS device if you're you're on your computer you've got iTunes installed it'll take you right to it you can click one button hit subscribe and if if you're not into that and you want a show specific app and uh, yeah we got those for free uh, matttalkonline.com slash iOS app and slash Android app to get your free app for the show and just to give you a, a little update on that they do have push notifications so if you don't want to get an update at 1140 at night when I sometimes upload this show. Yeah, you might want to turn those off. I don't take offense. So uh, welcome again. And a couple things I want to talk about before I get to today's interview is the Oregonian, a newspaper up in Oregon, recently had a story about the, I guess plight would be an interesting word. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a plight or problems. Yeah. So, you know, we lost Oregon a couple years ago and uh, for for really crappy reasons and uh, in a situation where uh, basically the number two booster at the school who never actually got a degree from the University of Oregon, basically bought out the old AD. Then he was appointed athletic director, and the job description didn't say you needed a degree, which is interesting because when Jason Powell applied 
for the volunteer assistant position. They called the University of Nebraska to verify that he had graduated and actually gotten a degree. So they actually wrote the job description so their number two booster could come in. He was a baseball guy. Come in, adds baseball, talks to the wrestling. Goes, yeah, we're going to change your, your wrestling room into a training room. We're going to get you a new facility. And then uh, then they come out, oh, well, we don't have the facilities now. So uh, basically, Save Oregon Wrestling has been trying to raise money because they were told $3 million, then they were told $6 million. I think the last uh, last check they were told 8 And then now they've been told something obnoxious, an extortion rate of $75 million to endow the program and, of course, bring back a sport uh, to, to balance out the Title IX numbers. So uh, there's some the comments section here is even crazier because there are people just making outlandishly stupid comments about why Oregon doesn't need wrestling. And I've always said this, and it always centers around Nike, that school does not need $75 million. Sorry, Uncle Phil has given that school a lot of money. They, they've got all this this Pac-12 network revenue coming in. The school makes a crap ton of money. So to say to these wrestling people, okay, yeah, $75 million. Yeah, that's a great big steaming pile of crap, folks. I, I wish I had a soundbite for something like that. I just need Chris Farley or something to say, no, that's just... Anyway, I'll work on more show effects later. But uh, long story short is Oregon doesn't want wrestling back. And... At this point, I don't know if I would ever want to give money to the University of Oregon because the way that they've treated their their alumni, their athletes, the their the basically this this core of wrestling people who have done everything in their power and everything that Oregon's asked in order to jump through hoop after hoop after hoop after hoop. You know what? Let's put that money to the other Division One program in the state of Oregon that isn't Oregon State. Portland State cut their program. We don't. I don't know how receptive they are to, 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 to bringing it back. We'll actually have Dan Russell talk about Portland State a little bit on a future episode of the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. But Oregon, Oregon State, Portland State, and the University of Portland are the four Division One schools within the state of Oregon. Western Oregon is Division Two, and we've got a handful of Division Three and NAIA schools across the board. I, I believe Eastern Oregon is about to launch an NAIA program. Uh, we'll have more information about that when we get the guys from Restore College Wrestling in Oregon on the show down the line. I mean, so I would say, all right, Portland State's cut their program. Oregon has made it abundantly clear they don't want anything to do with the sport of wrestling by basically saying, yeah, go you know, basically, they you know the headline should have said "piss off," but uh, you know I don't you know print media is probably not going to put "piss" in a headline. And uh, while that word is uh, kind of abrasive in some ways, I mean we're big boys, right, and big girls. And you know, for I apologize to the children that might be listening to this show. So uh, sorry, no explicit tag. But University of Portland, let's do some research there. They're a Division One school. I'm pretty sure they don't have football, so that might be be something that uh, we've got to go. Actually, looking at their site right now, nope, no football. So that might be a situation where, hey, let's focus on the University of Portland. In case you're wondering, they are the Pilots. That is their mascot. That's my my inner nerd speaking. So, uh, so I'm going to create a quick link here in the show notes for this episode. Go to matttalkonline.com/slash/oregon, and that will link to the story in the Oregon Live newspaper, and you can read uh, the the commentary from the author, and then you can read the comments in the comment section. You know, there's that rule, don't read the comments. Well, this is one you want to read the comments, and I think one fan even said that they, they validated it. Now, this isn't a shot at basketball, because I have a, I have a good appreciation for basketball and, and the, the sport that it is, maybe not necessarily the NBA, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a college basketball fan, and I, I played a lot of basketball growing up, but uh, somebody said, you know, the best athletes in the world are basketball players. Well, you know what? LeBron James we all remember he cramped out and uh, Jordan Burroughs won a world title on a broken ankle. That's the end of my rant for today, uh, at least 
on the front end of the show. We're going to talk to Andy Lozier now about Sacred Heart and a new format with this show. I've kind of tweaked it a little bit. So uh, after the interview, I'll have a couple more takeaways from that interview and give you more information how to subscribe and potentially donate to this program. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason M. Bryant or the Matt Talk Online Podcast Network at Matt Talk Online. I'll say uh, if you're getting show information, you might want to just hit the Matt Talk Online Twitter account if you want some of my random thoughts and, and general wrestling banter, I, I get I go back and forth with some people. It's it's kind of fun. Uh, that's more of my personal account, but it's still you're going to get the same thing on the Matt Talk Online Twitter handle that you will on mine at Jason M. Bryant. So, again, I appreciate everybody listening and rating and reviewing. You can rate and review the show the same way you subscribe by going to MattTalkOnline.com slash get short time. So now. Going up to the Pioneer Nation. I don't even know if they're using that as, as a term or not, but uh, the Pioneers of Sacred Heart University, it's next up on Short Time. Now on the Short Time Wrestling Podcast, we're going to talk with Sacred Heart head wrestling coach Andy Lozier. He is entering his fourth season up in Fairfield, Connecticut. Yes, folks, Connecticut has a Division One wrestling program. It's Sacred Heart University, and it is the has the distinction of being the only Division One Catholic wrestling institution. So, uh, first of all, Andy, welcome to the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jason. Thanks for having me. So a couple of things we want to talk about today. Mainly is this, uh, you know, I recently talked to Heath Esslinger and he he had finished an Ironman triathlon. And I think what you and Derek Moore are going to try to one up him and be like, you know what? Twenty six point two miles. That's nothing. We're going to go 60 as uh, you and Derek Moore are doing the march to MSG. It's going to be a 60 mile run to Madison Square Garden enough over the course of three days. So Heath might have you there. But, uh, you know, just talk a little bit about what the, what idea this came, you know, how this idea came about and uh, why you and Derek are, are running the Madison Square Garden. Well, yeah, first to clarify, Heath definitely is at least one, maybe two up on me. And to, to finish an Ironman is, is an unbelievable accomplishment. I saw that. I was, I was so impressed. I was down in uh, Fort Lauderdale last year for the NWCA convention. I was up early going for a nice run, and I felt like I was cooking and all of a sudden, Heath just goes blowing by me um, and really put me in my place. So a little shout out to Heath there. But um, yeah, our run to Madison Square Garden um, was an idea that actually came up about six weeks ago in my head. <laughs> and um, really, it, it kind of spawned from the fact that we needed to have a really good fundraising year. Um, over the course of the last three years, there's been a ton of changes to Sacred Heart Wrestling, but those changes have come with a, a financial cost. So we've been able to raise a lot of money, but we've also spent a lot of money as well. So we need to build our reserve count back up. Um, and so we wanted to do something that wasn't going to be real heavy from an administrative standpoint. Um, and I'm, I'm really big into kind of endurance and mental toughness. And so I just tried to get creative with some, some thoughts. And I said, wow, you know, how far is Madison Square Garden from here? And when I, when I kind of Googled it, I'm like, oh, 60 miles, that's way too far. Um, but then I said, you know, well, what if we emulate the NCAA tournament format and we do it over the course of three days on a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? So I was sitting in the office with, uh, with Coach Moore, and I said, hey, man, uh, I have an idea here. But if I say it out loud, we're going to have to do it um, because I can't say what I'm about to say and then – not do it. Uh, so he got excited right away. And as soon as I, as soon as I said it, he was totally on board and we've kind of just been cramming everything, um, training logistics, um, and whatnot into the last six weeks. So we're a week out. Um, in fact, 
one week from today, we'll be in the process of our, our first segment of the run. And uh, I'm just excited to get it going now. Yes, yeah, so that is a fundraiser. Now we've, I've created a, a short link for those that are interested in, uh, in, pledging and donating the cause and you can go to uh, matttalkonline.com slash shu that'll take you right to the rally up page and uh, before we started this interview i want to say i i threw an equal amount of money at both of you and Derek moore so uh you've got a contribution coming from matt talk online your way but uh, as we talk right. about the, the the fundraiser i mean it's you know a lot of things are crowdfunded these days so what what made you think is say all right let's let's take this fundraising thing online versus maybe saying okay send your check here well, we're, we're actually utilizing both platforms. Um, but the one thing that I've found is that when it comes to fundraising, if, if you can make it easy for contributors, uh, I think your success rate goes way up. Um, and so the ability to just go online, submit your credit card information, pledge a certain dollar amount per mile, we felt like it was, it was really, really easy. Um, but we also have like hard copy flyers um, with a ripoff portion that we've been passing around campus. Um, so what we have tallied on our pledge page right now is probably around $9,000 raised, um, but we're significantly higher than that because there's a, a lot of pledges that have come um, via, you know, the, a more traditional platform. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the school. Well, actually, you know what? Before we get to the school, I want to talk a little bit about Derek Moore, just because uh, this guy is one of the most entertaining people in the sport of wrestling. If you don't know Derek, he's almost constantly got a smile on his face. He's got more than just that turn on top. The guy's wrestled for the uh, Army World-Class Athlete Program for a couple years. I mean, just a high-energy type of guy. And, uh, you know, are are you worried about his military training kind of coming through and showing you up a little bit? (laughs) Well, he's so fragile. Um, I just, I <laughs> oh, shots fired! There. <laughs> if you remember his uh, his NCA final match, I mean, he was taped from head to toe, knees, elbows, hands, everything. So we're just hoping we can we can kind of wrap a bubble around him and keep him healthy. Uh, but in all seriousness, no, he's slowing down. Uh, he's a super fast runner. Um, he would leave me in the dust. So um, he's never run uh, a distance like this before. I have one marathon underneath my belt. Um, my endurance specialist is in cycling. So my fitness is there. It's more a matter of just, um, getting used to kind of the pounding. And and as any wrestler knows, once you start to reach a certain age and you're still active in the sport, the, the one or the one or two areas that really start to kind of give you some trouble are your hips and knees. Um, so that's where we're kind of focusing on trying to stay healthy. Now, with the with the runs, obviously, typically with like cycling and road races, there's, you know, cars falling. So are you guys going to go without any vehicles or is somebody going to follow you and meet you at certain points along the way? Yeah, we're going to be relatively unsupported um, throughout this. Um, There will be um, some of our wrestlers coming at certain times to to bring us some um, some, you know, uh, some nutrition and some some hydration um, and change of clothes, obviously, each day. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, it's just going to be the two of us. Uh, we've got GoPros, um, so we're going to be really kind of documenting the whole thing. And then upon return, um, we have someone that's going to take all that footage, edit it, and kind of turn it into a little bit of a storyline. Now, as we circle back over and talk about the Sacred Heart program as a whole, uh, 
you know, you, you came in, you were like the third coach in three years. You're now you're, you're in your fourth year. You've added some stability to it. But uh, interesting factoid about the school is the executive director of athletics there. Uh, a lot of people might know the name, a guy named Bobby Valentine, who spent a long career in the major leagues and uh, really became more notable as, as a major league baseball manager uh, here and in Japan. I remember growing up uh, back in, you know, in Virginia, and, and there was a time where Valentine was the manager of the, the then the Mets AAA affiliate, the Norfolk Tides. So I, I've, I've, I've watched, you know, you know, Bobby from the from from the dugout when I was growing up and then, of course, on television. But, uh, you know, what's it like to have a guy like that as, as the AD at Sacred Heart and as it relates to wrestling? It's one word. It's cool. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's that's Bobby Valentine. That's how you describe him. I mean, the guy's just super cool. In fact, um, he, he loved this idea and he is he has his hands in so many different things. I have, I have no idea how he's so successful in in every one of his, um, every one of his adventures. And some people don't know this, but he, he owns some restaurants and he's from Stanford, Connecticut, um, which is about 25 miles from here. And so, um, our first day, we're actually going to be running to his restaurant, which is called Bobby V's. Um, and he's hosting a ceremony there for us. And anyone that comes in, um, to support, um, our March to Madison square garden, uh, he's going to go ahead and donate half of their tab to our program. Um, so he's super creative. Uh, he gets really on board um, with with things that, that he identifies with that are, are cool. Um, so I, th- I think this one um, was something that, that he really liked. But, yeah, working for him is, is really cool. In the short time that he's been here, man, he's really um, he's created a lot of change within our athletic department. Yeah, has he ever shown up in the office with the uh, the most notable disguise ever with the fake mustache and glasses and the big nose? I haven't seen that yet, but if you walk into his office, man, it's like a museum. I mean, you know, just the memorabilia, um, you know, from his life in sports, whether it was, you know, Mets, Red Sox. A lot of people don't don't know that he was over uh, in Japan for many years um, as a manager. And uh, yeah, the guy's a legend. As we talk about the program, I, I had alluded to that it's the only Catholic Division One institution that has wrestling. And this is a relatively new program when you look at uh, the, the landscape and tradition of other programs that maybe have started in the 20s. This one started, I believe, what, 1999? Yeah, 98 or 99 was its, uh, was its initial year. And, uh, of course, uh, Andy Saris, who had, had a long career in Greco-Roman, was a coach there and, and uh, really kind of put the program on the map. The, the only All-American school history was a heavyweight from Iran, kind of ironic there, uh, Payam Zarampour a couple years ago. And uh, from, from your standpoint, what's it going to take for Sacred Heart to put another All-American on the podium? We're, we're on our way right now. Um, the amount of change that's happened in the last three years is is unbelievable. And it's a really a credit to all the people that support this program and have have been able to kind of connect themselves with the vision that I laid out. Um, and, and they've taken the leap of faith like I did. Um, and so now we're starting to kind of really see um, some significant change. I think one of the biggest things that's happening is we have natural leadership evolving right now. Uh, so my first recruiting class are now juniors. So we've had two years to spend together. Those guys have been around the Division One block two times. I mean, they're not boys anymore. They're men. And coaching and working with them, I think I'm probably having the most fun I've ever had in the sport of wrestling right now. Um, and I think we're, we're, we're going to really make a, a, a noticeable jump this year. And I expect next year people's heads are going to start turning and saying, what the heck is going on over there in Fairfield, Connecticut? Um, yeah, they're going to know where Fairfield, Connecticut is. <laughs> they should. 
They should. It's a great spot, about an hour north of New York City. Now, as I'm looking over the 2015-16 roster here, this is this is completely a dynamic change from when you got there. Your, your first year, I mean, you're still forfeiting a couple weights. I mean, the roster was not very big. What's it been like to try to draw kids to an institution like Sacred Heart, which is it's it's let's let's be honest, it's got a little bit of a hefty price tag on it too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, when I when I arrived, we had um, we have five wrestlers on the roster. We were forfeiting five weights my first year. It was competitively. Uh, the hardest thing that I ever had to go through. Um, so kind of while I was just taking it on the chin that year, I was, I was going out there and sharing my vision with people. And, you know, I think everyone loves an underdog story. And there are a lot of, a lot of high school wrestlers out there that feel like they have something big to accomplish, like they haven't hit their peak yet. And so it's really a matter of finding the right fit. Um, you know, you'd be surprised, but we're we're ultra selective in the recruiting process. I really look at our team as an organization. And so for us, the recruiting process is a lot like a hiring process. We want to make sure that we're bringing the right people into the organization that, that kind of fit the values um, that, that, that we represent and that gel with our brand. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a difficult process and there's no secret formula. You're never going to bat a thousand. Um, but I think, I think the focus being on culture and that everyone plays an equal part in this organization is what's, what's, what's driving us forward. Uh, because really, logically, there's, there's no reason that Sacred Heart Wrestling should still be a Division I wrestling program. It was, in, it was just in such bad shape. It, it had been mismanaged. It, it, it just had so many, so, many, so many things wrong with it. We almost, it it's kind of like flipping a house, to be honest with you. We had to kind of just tear everything out. You have a vision in your head of what you want it to look like. And then you just start building it one piece at a time. Yeah. So what are your facilities like? I've actually never been to the campus. Um, yeah, they, they, they fit our underdog story. They're not great. I mean, we have probably have the smallest wrestling room and, uh, in, in all the division one, um, community. Um, we have a, a, a decent weight facility. It's nothing that's going to blow your hair back. Uh, but what's important is, we have what I think is uh, just the best strength and conditioning staff. They're, they're the best that I've ever worked with. And I think, you know, we have, we have Derek Moore um, and, and, and we have great people uh, surrounding our program. So I think, you know, the facility thing is, is we can overcome that because I think we have something better and that's the people in place. Now, is that a long-term goal? Eventually, obviously, fundraising, obviously, you know, you're, you're building, you got to have some success to say, okay, this is, this is worth the investment in, in getting a, a, maybe an improved practice facility or something along those lines? Definitely. It's definitely on my radar. Absolutely. 100%. But it just has to come at the right time. Um, and again, there, I think there's, there's other areas that, uh, that are more important to focus our energy on right now. Um, and, you know, the, the room, although it's small, it, it doesn't prevent us from training the way we need to train. Um, so we're able to do everything that we need to do currently. Now, you also hold an interesting distinction. You were one of two Division One head wrestling coaches that were Division Three athletes. Uh, the other, Sam Barber, the head coach of the Air Force Academy, he wrestled at Upper Iowa when they were Division Three. They're now a Division Two program. So uh, it's kind of a unique distinction. And, you know, maybe sometimes the, the knock on the wrestling community is we have this, this mindset that, oh, you've got to be all world to be a great coach. What have you learned about coaching coming from uh, your, your career as an athlete at Lycoming and in previous stops at Stevens Tech in Princeton that uh, basically say, you know what, I, I wasn't a D1 guy, but I know how to coach wrestling. 
Yeah, um, <clears throat> I actually talk about this quite a bit because I'm really proud of it, to be honest with you. It, it, it's not an easy nut to crack, you know, uh, being a Division three guy and trying to get into the Division one world. And I, I, I owe Chris Ayers at Princeton, you know, a lot of credit because I think he saw um, that I was going to be able to bring something really positive to the table when he hired me. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, uh, I was I was a good wrestler. I wasn't a great wrestler. I had some some performance anxiety issues that probably kept me from achieving um, some higher some higher levels of success. Um, and actually that's something that I focus heavily on with my athletes is the mental side of training, because it is a huge piece of this sport. And if you don't train your mind with the same intensity that you're training your physical body, you're not, you're not going to reach peak performance levels. Um, so I think that gives me a little bit of a different perspective. Um, I, I, technically, I, I was always um, very, very confident in my ability. Um, but I think really the big piece is when I decided that I wanted to be um, a head coach, I realized that my job was more off the mat than it was on the mat. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of head coaches struggle with is, is how do you manage that balance? And really, uh, you know, for us, um, you know, Derek is, is, is the key component to training our guys. Um, you know, I'll run maybe two practices a week somewhere in there, and he's got about the rest of it. Um, and I'll jump on the mat with guys for individual sessions. But, you know, the most important part of my work, the way that I can best provide opportunities for my student athletes is to be doing the head coaching stuff, doing those administrative roles to the best of my ability, raising money, recruiting. And I think probably the most important one is positioning our program to be high profile, both at Sacred Heart University and within the, the Connecticut, Connecticut community and within the wrestling community. Now, when you look at the makeup and your background, uh, you know, as far as the type of kids you recruit, obviously you said they've got to fit into the program. Uh, you're being super selective. I'm looking at the roster and I'm seeing a good mix of public school kids and private school kids. And, and based on what little I know about Sacred Heart, it seems like that the, the private school kid seems to kind of have Sacred Heart on their radar more so than the public school kid. What do you, how do, how, what is your approach on recruiting these type of athletes? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're really big believers in demonstrated interest. Um, so we like people that reach out to us, uh, for a specific reason. And, and there tends to be a little bit, some common denominators. Uh, for example, the, the blend of being able to study physical therapy and wrestling at a division one institution in the Northeast, that's the, those opportunities are, are, are very rare. So, we're a big draw there. And for some reason, physical therapy seems to be an area of study that's very, very popular with wrestlers. I think they like the idea of working with people. They like the idea of being on their feet. Uh, and it's, it's essentially coaching just in a, in a different environment. Um, and then, too, uh, our business school um, is, uh, is named after former CEO um, of, of General Electric, uh, Jack Welch. Um, they just built a brand new business building on campus. It's probably the nicest building I've ever been in in my life. And then, you know, we're kind of, we're in a great geographic position where New York City's, you know, less than an hour away. We have Hartford, which is the insurance capital of the world right up the street. And then Boston is about two hours away. So there's a lot of opportunities for students, um, in terms of their career development. So I think that's a big draw right there. Um, I'm not sure if I've really ever evaluated, to be honest with you, the ratio between public and private school kid, um, uh, 
you know, um, maybe that's something I should look at a little bit. Uh, it's just something stats guys like me kind of notice. I see a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of prep, a lot of institute, a lot of schools on the roster. So I think that's interesting. Of course, the one thing that jumps out at me, you got a kid from the Ukraine on the team. Uh, yeah, man, he's he is absolutely a gem. This kid is unbelievable. I'm so blown away by his maturity and what a genuine person he is. He came to the United States uh, his sophomore year of high school. Uh, he had maybe like one year of a little bit of wrestling instruction. He had some some background in jujitsu. Uh, he was at a high school in Florida that didn't have wrestling, so he went up and went to a high school in Massachusetts. Um, all while this is happening, he's learning how to wrestle and he's learning to speak English at the same time uh, while his entire family's in the Ukraine. Um, he reached out to me. He sent me some video. I saw some real natural ability in him. I mean, he's got some real gifts. He just lacks a little bit of experience. Um, so we actually went after him really aggressively. And his maturity level to be away from his family at that age, learning a language, doing well in school, learning a new sport, just totally blew me away. Um, and so he was a, a true freshman last year. He received our team award for freshman of the year, rookie of the year. Uh, he had a, a pretty solid freshman campaign and he just got so much better. And right now, I mean, he just, he looks awesome. I can't wait to, to spend the next three, maybe four years with him if we decide to redshirt him. Now, there's one thing you talked a little bit about the location of the school and, and it's, it's proximity to New York and Hartford and Boston. Uh, you've got experience with that when you were coaching at Stevens and uh, that school in Hoboken, New Jersey, just across the river from from the city. And it's uh, is that that an environment that's kind of helped you in the obviously Princeton has as well in, in helping you deal with these uh, more rugged academic institutions that, that have wrestling programs and being able to say, OK, you've graduated. You had a great career. Now let's get yourself a job. Let's get you placed working on Wall Street. Let's get you placed working somewhere in the city. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, over the course, I guess, of the past 10 years or so, I've been able to develop a pretty strong network of people, um, you know, uh, just because of the physical location of the universities that I've worked at. And then two, um, really kind of, they've been elite institutions as well. Um, so I think that uh, my Rolodex and my list of connections is, is really, really strong. And it's something that we're able to talk about um, to, to recruits, but also to our current guys as we try and, you know, establish some relationships for their, their future path. Now, in the landscape of college wrestling, there's there's always going to be the power programs and there's always going to be the programs that are, uh, for one reason or another, going to be at the bottom. Uh, Sacred Heart, unfortunately, for the last, you know, de- you know, last several years has been kind of in that bottom tier of Division One wrestling. What do you do when, when you take over a program like this that's got nowhere to go but up? But, uh, you know, even even an incremental win is 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 a substantial jump from from where you were. What are your what were your goals coming in year one? And, you know. This is this team is in the EIWA, one of the one of the toughest conferences in the country with a lot of schools, a lot of competitive situations, uh, both academically for the same type of athletes. So when you came in, what goals did you have and where are you starting year four with those goals? Um, yeah, so you got to be really careful <laughs> um, with how you manage your expectations when you walk into a situation like I did. Um And so the one thing I didn't do was I didn't start establishing a lot of hard list goals. The only thing that I focused on was progress and improvement. And really, when when you are so far behind the rest of the Division One population, that's how you have to measure success is by progress, Um, because you're you're not going to be able to catch up right away. 
Um, and so what we were doing is saying, is this program getting better? Is it getting more stable? Are we bringing more money in? Are we bringing more recruits in? Um, and, and just constantly evaluating, um, you know, really month by month, what type of progress have we made? And, you know, throughout the first two seasons, I mean, you, you would look, if you look at it from the 50,000 foot level, you'd say, wow, man, they're, they're really struggling. But it was actually just the opposite. We were really starting to motor. You, you just have to measure our success by progress. I mean, my second year, we snapped, you know, a four year dual meet losing drought. Um, uh, most people can't, can't, can't really understand how hard that step is. Uh, you have to shake a monkey off your back. That's, that's been weighing you down for four years. And, you know, that first step, although it's a small step, that's one of the absolute hardest steps we were ever going to have to make as a program. Um, and so these first steps kind of keep happening each year. You know, last year we had our first EIWA place winner since we had been um, accepted into the conference. Um, and Connor Schuster, as he plays six, he was also an academic All-American. So as a program, we're taking all of these first steps, right? And you're the father of a young child. You remember your, your daughter learning how to walk, right? It's like that, that first step is so hard. It's so painful. But then they take one and all of a sudden they take two. And then they take three and then they, they never walk again. They just run everywhere. Oh, my so, goodness. Gee, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of where we are as a program. We've, we've taken about two or three steps and now it's just we're ready to start running. Now, as I look at the schedule, yeah, I, re- I remember the uh, the match that broke the streak, and, and you look at the two opponents. It's been Davidson and American International. AIC is a Division two program, and you know, I'm looking at the schedule this year and comparing it to to past wins. You're, you're talking about measuring progress. Well, uh, one of those years, you pretty much nearly got shut out every match, and then all of a sudden the scores are a little closer. And then now last year, more of the matches were competitive. And you know, what's it going to? I mean, you've got a pretty strong home schedule this year. Obviously, you got Davidson, VMI, Buffalo. Penn, and Brown, George Mason, Bucknell, and Princeton, and those are those are like-minded style of institutions for the most part in terms of how they they line up with Sacred Heart Athletics and Sacred Heart as a university. But uh, I mean, you've got more home duels this year. You've got an opportunity to bring more people out to the matches. So uh, obviously, making them competitive is has got to be at least a, a written down goal for this year. Yeah, that's just I mean that's just the expectation for sure. Um, and, and, you know, again, in terms of measuring progress, so my first year, we were forfeiting five weight classes. You know, we had a dual meet that lasted 15 minutes. Last year, we didn't forfeit a single weight class the entire season. Uh, and that's, that's really, um, I think, representative of how darn tough my guys are and, and how much they're willing to fight for this program. And so now this year, yeah, we're ready to take that, that next step. The biggest difference maker in this program right now is the leadership that's in place. So what's happening is our, we have, we have 10 freshmen right now. Our 10 freshmen have unbelievable guidance through our juniors that have been here for two years. Our juniors, they didn't have that when they got here. They had to kind of find this, their place in this world without, without a compass, if that makes sense. I mean, it was constantly being, being delivered and communicated from me, but there's nothing more powerful than really established and effective peer leadership. And, and that's, that is our number one weapon right now. And so what's going to happen is it's going to help our, our younger wrestlers transition into this environment. And then they're going to be able to make a 
bigger and better impact on our program when it's their time to take over and, and as a starter. Yeah, a lot of coaches from smaller programs that I've talked to, uh, they basically, when those first recruiting calls come in, when you start going after maybe more of a more of a blue chip type of athlete, is the "Are you guys Division One?" type of question. I'm guessing you kind of get that a lot. Maybe not so much near in the Northeast because uh, Sacred Hearts Athletic. Uh, profile isn't isn't a mystery to people but uh, you know within the sport of wrestling I mean it's you know you've had Payam Zarenpour, uh but you know I think uh, Connor Hartman a Duke wrestler a two-time All-American there uh, he had talked about being an All-American outside of heavyweight and that may be adding a little bit more of an a- athletic profile for Duke wrestling I mean do you think that that's going to make a change when you get that 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 All-American that's not a heavyweight uh, no disrespect to Payam because he was definitely fun to watch but uh, to, to get that middleweight that lightweight that guy that you've come in and, and, and built into an All-American. Uh, do you think that's that's going to be kind of a linchpin to maybe uh, get that ball rolling? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure if I think the weight is that important as much as just the timeline. So what happened was Payam was an All-American in 2007, right? So that that's too big of a gap. So we need we need another one that's that's more relevant in this time space. And I think as soon as that happens, yeah, that that's going to help. But I imagine that my 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 opening line on a uh, on a on a cold recruiting call is going to stay the same for a long time, which is, hey, this is uh, Andy Lozier, head wrestling coach at Sacred Heart University, which is a Division One institution in Fairfield, Connecticut. I just <laughs> I just put it right out there because yeah, you're absolutely right. We're we're an institution. We're a mid major. We have 4,500 students. We're we're not. We don't have a national brand at this point in time. So you think wrestling can help with that national brand? Obviously, Bobby Valentine's just uh, presence there gets people talking about it. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, what can what can what things are you doing to make Sacred Heart a national brand when it comes to wrestling? Um, So we're really fortunate. And I think that's that's what gives us incredible power moving forward is that the platform of wrestling does allow mid-major universities to have the highest level of success and um, extreme national exposure. For example, Edinburgh University, uh, we actually brought uh, Bruce Baumgartner to our what we, we call our shareholders reception this year. And he met with administrators from our university and our key supporters as well and, and talked about the impact that wrestling's had at Edinburgh, but also talked about how long it's taken. Uh, a lot of people don't realize the, the length of the story there. Um, but one of the things that I did this year, just as a, as a small exercise, was and it, it wasn't easy. It took me quite a while. Was, you know, I, I had TiVoed obviously NCAA's, um, and uh, and so I, I spent a lot of time going through it and pausing it and recording times that Edinburgh was receiving ESPN coverage, and so I did that over the entire three day telecast. And what I found was 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 pretty incredible, and that is that Edinburgh this year received over 120 minutes of exposure on ESPN. I mean, that's that's groundbreaking for a regional-based institution or for, a, you know, a mid-major or... Uh, well, they're, they're Division Two and everything but wrestling, so I mean... Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's that, that puts them on a national level. Um, and not a lot of sports... Uh, are are able to provide that level of, of of exposure, and especially where you you get the opportunity for a mid major to have that level of success. I mean, another perfect example is you know look at what happened to you know American University um, when NCAs were in Philadelphia. I mean, that was really an explosion of success and, and gave American 
you know, a great national shot in the arm. As we talking with uh, Andy Lozier, the head wrestling coach here at, at Sacred Heart University, they're planning a 60-mile run, the March to MSG. The hashtag is March2. That's spelled out uh, T-O-M-S-G, followed on Twitter at S-H-U Wrestling. And uh, that's, that's an account that uh, you kind of run yourself there, Andy. It, it, yeah, as, yeah, that's pretty apparent, as you can see, the sporadic <laughs> posting. Uh, I guess I fall in that generation. Um, I'm much more of a Facebook user than a Twitter user. Um, and to be honest, most of our following, we have about, um, I think, around 3,500 Facebook followers on our program. That's where I think most of our followers are, are going to, to really get updates and to, to get an inside look at our program. And, and we'll be documenting um, and making updates each night during our March to Madison Square Garden on our Facebook page. Um, and, and we'll try and get some on the Twitter feed as well. Again, created a short link for you here in the show notes of this episode at matttalkonline.com slash SHU. That's going to take you right to the Rally Up campaign where you can uh, donate, you can pledge per mile, you can make a uh, just a donation in general, or you can just say, all right, I'm going to give money to each coach and let them finish and see what happens. So uh, uh, I've done that already. I encourage you to as well because uh, we, we need programs like Sacred Heart. We need these, you know, obviously, for lack of a better term, you guys are a niche school because you are the only Catholic institution with Division One wrestling. I mean, there used to be a lot more, obviously, Notre Dame being the elephant in the room, but uh, you know that that's that's also a unique draw to your university. Yeah, it's it's sad for wrestling, isn't it? But it's you know it's good for us, so we have to take it and, and position and leverage it the best that we can. And you know, I, I appreciate your your views and perspectives of, of wrestling because the one thing I know about you is you get it. Um, listen, we're going to turn this into the greatest turnaround success story in the history of college wrestling, and when that's done, we're going to have a blueprint that we can take to other college programs that are struggling or that are behind the curve or that are perhaps considering eliminating their wrestling program. Because they listen, we, we have a blueprint here. We have a formula for how you can turn this thing around and maximize the benefits to provide, you know, more exposure, better admissions numbers, whatever the goals might be for your institution. That was a fun discussion, wasn't it, folks? I, I guarantee you, you've learned a lot more about Sacred Heart University than you knew prior if you if you weren't familiar with the program up there in Connecticut. So uh, Andy Lozier, always been a good guy to me. Uh, I've known him since he was a, a head coach at Stevens and then his time at Princeton, now the head coach at Sacred Heart. So uh, we'll implore you again to donate if you're uh, feeling the need to help fundraise for a lesser-known Division One program. Of course, we've got 77 of them, and we can't overlook the programs like Sacred Heart. And general takeaways here, and there's one thing I wanted to we, – we touched on it a little bit, and I want to point this out. It's, it's, again, that wrestling mentality that we have sometimes that you've got to be a Division One All-American. You've got to be uh, all-world as a wrestler to be in position – to, to be a coach. And actually this surfaced up on, on the message boards a couple days ago about Andrew Alton being hired at Franklin and Marshall as an assistant coach and be like, what does he bring to the table? Well, you know what? Chris Ayers, the head coach at Princeton in the John Trench documentary, Veritas basically said that him not winning a national title is what's driven him to be a better coach. And then you've got guys that are great at coaching that, you know what, maybe for something, some reason they're, they, they're just wired to coach and, you know, people get hurt. They, you know, obviously with the Altons, uh, Andrew and Dylan both had injury problems throughout their career, but who's to say these guys can't be good coaches. Who's to say that they, they possess a lot of wrestling knowledge. So, uh, you know, kudos to Mike Rogers for giving Andrew a shot there at Franklin and Marshall. And then, 
uh, I was talking to John Stutzman, the head coach at the University at Buffalo. In case you're wondering, it's not the University of Buffalo. It's the University at Buffalo. He just hired Boomer Fetchko as an assistant coach. And people are like, who the heck is Boomer Fetchko? Well, he, he spent time coaching at Dakota Wesleyan, had a relationship from, with Stutzman, uh, you know, going back to their, their years there in, in South Dakota. I believe it's in Mitchell, South Dakota. Yeah, it's it's in Mitchell. And I was talking to Stutzman at the Journeyman Classic about that bringing on Boomer to the staff. And he's like, you know, this guy, this guy's wired to coach. He's he's eager. He gets after it. So, you know what? Just because you don't have Division One All-American or you're not a multi-time All-American, you're not a national champion, does not and should not disqualify you from being a coach at the collegiate level. Uh, we've seen coaches from Division One go to D- Division Two, Division Three, the NAI. And, you know, I, I mentioned to Sam Barber wrestled at Upper Iowa. They were Division Three then. He's a Division One head coach. Andy Lozier is a, a Lycoming guy. Wrestled for Roger Krebs. I mean, there's two guys in Division One that were Division Three athletes. And I'm going to roll through this list. Now, this is from before last season, so this didn't take into account of the coaching changes that happened in the offseason. But let me just roll through the list to see uh, coaches in Division One that were not Division One wrestlers. Let's see. We keep going. We keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, keep going, keep going. Okay, we're, I'm halfway through the list, and I haven't hit one yet. Uh, da, 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 other than Barber with Air Force. Okay, so Mark Manning, did you know this? Division two guy, Nebraska-Omaha. Let's keep rolling. Let's keep going. We've got a couple guys from East Stroudsburg, uh, Jason Peters and uh, Gary Taylor. Well, they were their Division one then, but they're, they're Division two now, Lycoming, and that's it. I mean, we're talking Manning, Lozier, uh, Ryan Ludwig from Northern Illinois, he wrestled at Finley, which is now Division II. They were NAIA. So that's not, you know, if you're looking to break into Division One coaching, yeah, obviously being a Division One athlete has it, but that should not disqualify you. So I want to just make this this pitch, and people sit there and look at these assists. Well, who are these guys, or what have they done? doesn't matter what they've done. Do they have the knowledge? Do they possess the knowledge to be a good coach? And you know what? My high school wrestling coach never qualified for the state tournament. Coached the, coached the high school to uh, four, three straight second-place finishes at the state tournament. In 1999, they won a state title. They won the Virginia Duels. This guy knew his technique, and he knew how to coach athletes. So that doesn't have anything to do with your own personal level of success. Does it have a level of success? Yes. When it takes, you know, putting your wrestler in that situation, like, yeah, hey, here's what I did. You know what? You coach your guy the right way, regardless of your own credentials, you're going to have success. So uh, those knocking hires that aren't all Americans, yeah, get over yourselves. Anyway, well, let's end on a better note. Of course, that better note being you're listening to the Short Time Wrestling Podcast here on the Matt Talk Podcast Network. This is one of 14 shows distributed, and if you want to find out all sorts of things about the world of wrestling from college to high school to Olympic level wrestling. Mad Talk Online will give you the knowledge bombs you need in your ear at madtalkonline.com. We got shows with a couple colleges, a couple organizations. Dan Gable's featured on a show. Uh, world Wrestling Resources got a got a great reach internationally. So I, I implore you to subscribe to those shows. Leave us a rating and reviews. And if you know what, if you really like what we're doing, and if you really like the content I would uh, I would suggest you become a patron of this show by going to madtalkonline.com slash contribute you can uh, fire a donation one time using PayPal or, or fire a small monthly donation that'll recur uh, the billing it's you know we've got small donate if you want to give a dollar a month that's awesome if I had you know 500 people give me a buck a month I could actually produce a lot more shows and a lot more content so uh, that's at matttalkonline.com slash contribute and of course with those levels of giving there will be some perks sent your way so uh, if, if you like the show you like the network you know if you if you like me if you don't like me but you like the shows hey tell your friends 
contribute at mattalkonline.com slash contribute. And that's about all the time we have for today, but I thank you again for listening to the Short Time Wrestling Podcast because you know you've always got time for short time. All right, that was a really bad ripoff of good times, but anyway, I'll see you next time. Thanks, I'm Jason Bryant. The Short Time Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by Flips Wrestling. Share your attitude and be heard at flipswrestling.com. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.